We're beginning today a mini-series exploring two of the smaller letters in the New Testament, so small that unlike the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Romans and, and the larger works of the New Testament, we may be at risk of forgetting that these two short books, Philemon and then in two weeks' time, uh, three weeks' time in fact, Jude, are there, but they are and they help us to understand some pretty big issues. So it's good to give the time to explore them. There will be a bit of fragmentation, as today we look at Philemon together, then next Sunday we celebrate all saints and all souls, and then we observe remembrance the following Sunday before returning to Jude. So let me give you a snapshot of the characters in Philemon. Paul is a travelling missionary who is now imprisoned. Where exactly, we don't know. Opinion, as ever, differs. But we suspect in either Rome or Ephesus. Paul, along with Timothy, is accredited with the authorship of this letter. But from the fourth verse of Philemon, it becomes a very personal letter from Paul to Philemon. Timothy is a young church leader and student of Paul. Philemon is a leader of a house church in or near Colossae. Onesimus is a slave in Philemon's household, and we'll think about our discomfort with that language in a short while. Philemon, sorry, Aphia is Philemon's wife. Epaphras is a fellow missionary with Paul, who is also currently imprisoned. Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke are friends of Paul. So that's the cast of Philemon. Now to the storyline. Philemon is a wealthy Roman citizen who is also a Christian. In what was accepted culture and practice of the time, Philemon had slaves in his household. And there is a sense in which in Philemon we are not just seeing the injustice of slavery challenged, but a point made about how Philemon and you and I, as followers of Jesus, are to inhabit culture distinctively. So Philemon, as a wealthy Roman citizen, had benefited from the free work of Onesimus, who has now absconded. Under Roman law, Philemon was entitled to Onesimus's return, and Onesimus was liable to arrest, brutal punishment, and even imprisonment, and a death sentence on return. Furthermore, Philemon was entitled under that same law to claim back the lost work uh, from Onesimus' absence from anyone who supported Onesimus whilst he was on the run. All of this, it was Philemon's cultural and legal entitlement, not as exceptional rights, but as accepted normal part of life and culture in the Roman world. Yet the purpose of Paul's letter is to persuade Philemon to adopt a different approach on the basis that Philemon, like Paul, was a follower of Jesus and prevailing culture and legal entitlement must be replaced in the way Philemon acts with the gospel of love and compassion. Wherever we see the rule and reign of Jesus, as Christians, we call this the kingdom of God. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we, 
we have to wrestle with the reality that we live in a prevailing culture which is often neither Christian nor loving nor compassionate, where personal interests are primary and accumulation and achievement drive life. And yet we are called, as Philemon was, to be agents of the kingdom, or in other words, to inhabit the world distinctively for Jesus. This is a hopeful letter Paul is writing to Philemon. I get the impression that Paul is deeply hopeful that their partnership in the ministry of Jesus might lead to a change of storyline in this letter. And what a countercultural testimony that would be, that Onesimus, on his return, is no longer a slave, but a full part of Philemon's household, a member of his family, a brother, an equal. How countercultural would that be in Philemon's time? And as I look at the nation, I see a deep longing for hope, for workers who want to have hope for their jobs, for friends and family members who want to have hope that their loved ones, that those they care about are safe and well and protected. And of course, I think we all share that common hope of of a life post-Covid, of a life post-restrictions, of a life full of uh, familiar events and milestones being missed or having to be done differently by result. We have that hope. And I think God is saying to the church in this time, be agents of hope in our communities. Be agents of hope in our communities. So first point to take away, Philemon has, is, invite, Philemon is an invitation to Christians to inhabit the world distinctively for Jesus to be agents of hope when there is injustice. But there's a second takeaway for Philemon, and it's to do with reconciliation. We don't know what Onesimus did that led him to flee Philemon's household, but we know that he did flee, and we know that this was illegal. So Philemon and Onesimus are now estranged from one another. But there's also a sense in which because Onesimus has become um, Paul's assistant, if you will, there could be the need for reconciliation between Paul and Philemon as well. I'm sure you'll have had the experience in your lifetime of having to stand between two people you care about. It could be in a work context, it's more likely to be in a family context, Um, or a circle of friends. But I wonder if you know that that feeling of either being estranged from someone you care about or from standing in the middle between two two parties who are estranged. It's it's both exhausting, it's challenging sometimes to um, lay aside uh, individual agendas to try and find common ground. But somewhere within it, particularly when you stand in the middle, as Jesus did on the cross, you hold the hope of life renewed, of reconciliation. 
In verses 17 to 19, Paul writes the following to Philemon. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. So a couple of quick points from those few verses. Firstly, Paul says to Philemon, if you consider a partner, welcome Onesimus as you would welcome me. When Paul uses the word partner, he's not implying that he and Philemon are in some form of commercial partnership. Rather, this is a partnership as Christian people in the Lord. This is Philemon and Paul understanding that they're both missionaries of Jesus Christ. And and the Greek word here for partner is koinonia, koinonia. And that means the sharing of the ministry of God amongst many people. One of the things we'll we'll do in in the AGM is celebrate the ministry of God amongst church officers and ministers alike and more. There is a real sharing in the task of Christ. Now, as Paul and Philemon are both Christians, this language of being partners will not come as a surprise to them. But here's the game changer. Onesimus, during his time with Paul, has become a Christian, has become a follower of Jesus. And so Onesimus, who was um, Philemon's slave, is is now in Christ equal to his, his former master, And that might take a bit in the prevailing culture of getting Philemon's head around how that how that equates, how that works out. In verse 19, Paul claims that Philemon owns Paul, his very self. That's quite bold and direct, isn't it, to suggest to someone that you owe me all that you are. And Paul does it because he wants to remind Philemon that the life, meaning and purpose he now enjoys as a follower of Jesus comes because Paul introduced him to Jesus Christ and that way of life. And so all that Philemon perceives as good and meaningful and purposeful in his life is through the ministry of Paul. And that carries more value than the entitlement to recompense for the lost work Uh, whilst uh, Onesimus had absconded. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes this, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. Wake-up call for Philemon. Jesus has given Philemon everything and cancelled out Philemon's sin. Even if the law allows it, Jesus requires Philemon to show the same forgiveness that he has shown the world. What's more, rather than Onesimus being dragged back, probably in restraints and brutally punished, Christ requires Philemon to welcome Onesimus back as a brother, as a partner, a a, a one who shares in that koinonia, that sharing in the ministry of Jesus and be reconciled. Because of koinonia, because of this partnership in Christ, Onesimus and Philemon and indeed Paul stand before God as equals, 
equally in need of God's grace and mercy, but equally recipients of his love and compassion. Paul in Colossians writes, in God's new family, people are not Greek or Jewish, circumcised or uncircumcised, slave or free, but the Messiah is all and is in all. And I want to suggest to you this morning that there's a dangerous entitlement culture at play in our society, which essentially works along the lines of the law says X, so we expect X, and when we don't get X, we complain, and complain violently sometimes. And I want you to think about in your minds how the approach of entitlement would have worked for, for, for Philemon. He was entitled, after Onesimus absconded, to require every individual who encountered Onesimus to return him back to Philemon. He was entitled to have Onesimus arrested, imprisoned, and even crucified for absconding. He was entitled to seek compensation for Onesimus's lost service to him from anyone who protected him whilst on the run. And under the law, Philemon stands as a very entitled man. But entitlement doesn't lead you or I anywhere, I'd suggest, that inspires us in our Christian journey or in our lives. Grace, on the other hand, inspires Paul to tell Onesimus about life with Jesus. Grace drove Paul to write to Philemon, asking that he and Onesimus might be reconciled. Grace made Onesimus the slave, a free man. And grace means a story that could have been about arrest, imprisonment and death is now about new life, reconciliation and compassion. And we've seen stories of grace abound during the pandemic so far, of acts of kindness in running errands, in, in phone calls to the lonely and isolated. And when in, in recent days it emerged that there might be a gap in provision for children who would otherwise have free school meals um, over half term, there was a, a springing up of individuals and restaurants who uh, will make available the provision for children who might otherwise uh, find it harder to get access to food. These stories of grace are kingdom stories. And story by story, new life, reconciliation and compassion grow in the world. And story by story, the world becomes a bit more like the place that Jesus always intended it to be. That's the message of Paul's letter to Philemon. And I think this little letter, these, I think it's 25 or 27 verses, something like that. This short letter packs a punch, which is essential to understand if we're to inhabit the world distinctively for Jesus. What will your stories of small acts of kindness, of small acts of reconciliation and forgiveness be this week that reveal the kingdom of God in your life and in your encounters and actions? Let's pause to pray.
Holy Spirit, we ask you to breathe new life into your church and into your people. That we might be a people who in our words, in our actions, in our very thinking, might be people who bring new life, hope and compassion to bear in a world which desperately cries out for these things. Empower us in your name, for we ask this for your glory. Amen.